This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Kicking off hour number two of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Joined by our good friend, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports on Twitter, at Paloma Villacana. Paloma, thank you so much for your time. Happy New Year. I don't think we talked to you so far in the New Year, so Happy New Year off top. Happy New Year. Let's go. I'm starting my New Year with uh, no games. Right. <laughs> Covering the running Rebels. But, uh, hey, you know what? I'll take... I'll take a little break. I'll take a little few days of rest and, you know, kind of just things up next week. Right. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about that because now there was supposed to be a game played tonight. They were supposed to play San Jose State. We already knew that that was postponed or, or canceled earlier. And now we just found out about Air Force not going to be played on Saturday. How much of a, of a setback is that for Coach Kruger and his team not being able to gel, not having those extra games to try to gel? Yeah, we were talking about that on Sunday, just how, you know, it's a new team. They want to continue to gel and find their rhythm offensively. They did head into the new year on a four-game win streak. So they were looking to continue to build off that, continue to just find their chemistry on offense. Uh, They lost to San Diego State in not a very pretty game offensively for them. You know, San Diego State really got, got down on them, guarded them pretty hard. Um, they're facing one of the best defenses in the country. So uh, they really wanted to just bounce back, get back in the groove, get back into playing, you know, two games a week. They've been playing only one game a week since like the second week of December. So I'm sure the guys were just ready to get back to work, get back uh, to playing games. And uh, yeah, so, so Wednesday's San Jose State game postponed, now Saturday's Air Force game postponed. So their next game is Tuesday at home at the Thomas & Mack uh, against New Mexico. But yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm the running rebels, I'm just like, man, this sucks. We've all been through this. And I know those guys just want to get back out there and they love basketball. They love being in the gym together and they love, these guys are gym rats. They're in the gym until midnight. So, um, we'll just have to see, uh, how healthy they can get back and get back together and get ready for Tuesday. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I was watching that game on new year's against San Diego state and one, I thought the crowd was pretty decent for being new year's and being in Vegas and having a lot of different options for that day. But, uh, I, I noticed what you noticed. The offense was struggling and San Diego's defense, San Diego state's defense really came to play. Uh, is that is that more of a product of, like you said, San Diego State and their defense is so stinking good? Or is UNLV just having a struggle kind of getting into rhythms offensively throughout these games? Yeah, I think I think they were starting to hit a stride, uh, you know, during their non-conference schedule. But, you know, they were facing non-conference teams. Right. They were facing, uh, you know, just non-conference schools. And I think they were, you know, finding some rhythm offensively. But... San Diego State's defense, man, they came in, they came into play. Um, I was talking to Coach about just, you know, this is their first defense they faced that, you know, was an elite top 10 defense. So kind of just punched them in the mouth. But, you know, Coach Kruger was excited for them to just get back to work, um, you know, continue to learn and and improve from that San Diego State game. And 
Um, Coach Kruger was just saying that, you know, they want to get back into the win column. They want to start off Mountain West Conference play strong. So um, he's definitely, definitely bummed out that the San Jose State game was postponed. Um, Coach Kruger was telling me that, you know, they, they were already looking at other games to possibly play this week. He was telling me that they were possibly talking to UCLA to play Ooh. this week, just trying to get more games in for the Running Rebels. But now that COVID has hit their team, um, I'm sure all breaks all breaks are on right now. Right, exactly. That's exactly what they have to do. We're talking again with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got a question for you. Yeah, Paloma, going back to that San Diego State game, because I'm watching it, and Bryce Hamilton, he is the leading shot taker, the the leading scorer on mm-hmm. this team. But did you talk to Coach Kruger maybe about like maybe why some other players weren't getting involved on offense? Because Bryce Hamilton, for lack of a better words, he was just forcing it constantly. Yeah, it was it was a tough night. I think I think the Aztecs did a really good job of guarding other guys like Jordan McCabe and Josh Baker. They were really struggling from the three point line. Uh, you know, San Diego State was all over them. I mean, every single basket those guys were going up for was a tough basket to make. And Hamilton's gritty. He's, he grinds, man. He grinds. He pushes. He pushes hard in the paint. Him, Donovan were really pushing hard. But, you know, SDSU was making it real hard on every single possession UNLV had. Uh, you know, they were making it hard for them. So that's something that Coach Kruger walked away with is, okay, how, how can we crack those five-minute lulls? You know, how can we crack crack those those offensive lulls that we have and we just need to be tougher have better shot selections what he's been grinding about all season long and just for his guys to be more patient with the ball and you know make make moves be be hard work hard be physical um and really grind out grind out a win so yeah, I mean, that San Diego State game, that was a tough game. It was a tough physical mm-hmm. game for sure. You know, one, one thing I thought about the the fact that everyone else wasn't really getting up a lot of shots and there wasn't a whole lot of sets being ran for other folks, I thought that going back to the, the rhythm and the team trying to gel, I just felt like they weren't all on the same page. And that, that kind of, I felt like it kind of reared its ugly head in that performance as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like these these guys are still, like, they're still – you know, and plus Marvin Coleman was out with, with sickness. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they have a player or two out with sickness. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, these guys are still still new, still trying to learn their positions, still trying to go in, and it is still fluid. And, you know, this was their first Mountain West opponent that they faced this season. So besides Bryce Hamilton and um, Marvin Coleman, you know, <laughs> these guys are all new. I don't think they've faced San Diego State before. So, um, I'm sure these guys were just ready to get back to work and, and get Mountain West play going, and then this week hits you. So, so it's about how this how they respond to you know having a week to to. I mean, I'm not sure if they're or they're getting back to basketball practice soon, but you know this will be another adversity they face within this week of having having some time off. Yeah, Paloma, they they're basically going to have the week off, have some time off. So do we know like how many players that they are missing or when? basketball activities will resume? Yeah, so I asked today if, if I could speak to a few players for my show, and um, I was told that they aren't giving out names specifically on, on who's, who's tested positive for COVID, and I, I think that's a, a NCAA college, right. college um, rule that they're not allowed to like release names, but um, I'll have a better understanding tomorrow but um, as for me, going to practice and setting up interviews, you know, all of that is off this week. Right. So 
Um, I'll have to resort back to Zoom and do everything over Zoom this week. I'm not sure if Kevin Kruger is coming into the studio this week, but um, uh, I would assume that they hopefully clear all their their COVID-19 protocols by this weekend, and and I'm sure they'd have to start practicing at least by Saturday to get ready for New Mexico on Tuesday. Right, yeah, and these these protocols, I mean, they're always kind of changing, and, you know, they just got to kind of play it by ear. We really don't have a great idea of what's going to, you know, how it's going to shake out, but uh, that should be interesting. And, again, you do want to see them get back to practice around Saturday or Sunday, I guess, at the latest, if they're going to play on uh, Tuesday. Again, we're talking with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. I wanted to ask you about uh, football and and the chuck wagon in particular because we had Scott Phillips on. Yesterday, he's uh, one of the scouts from the Hula Bowl, and Chuck the Chuck Wagon's been invited to the Hula Bowl, and he's excited about him. You know, he came to Vegas, he actually got a chance to to watch him in a couple games, and he saw some a lot of film on him, and so he got the invite for him to go to Orlando to be at the Hula Bowl. What do you think he can do? there to, to to be on display for 32 different teams. I mean, he's trying to get there to the next level. This is a perfect opportunity to showcase what he's got. What do you think he, he can do to kind of impress these scouts? No, I'm excited for Chuck. I'm really excited for him. Um, when I was talking to him when the season ended, you know, he really wasn't sure when he was going to start training, who he was going to sign with, you know, for his, his agent, his representation. Um, so as soon as the season ended, I kind of sat down with him and he's like, listen, I'm just trying to take a breath, spend time with family, you know, enjoy my first Christmas with my baby. Um, and then, you know, get, get to work on January 1st. So to see him, uh, get invited to the hula bowl and, and already start working out and start, start getting ready for it. That's awesome. I mean, we love to see him, you know, anytime he's on the football field, he's explosive, he's exciting to watch, you know, that kid plays with so much heart and, you know, who knows? He could put up a 300-yard game if he, can, <laughs> if he could. You know, he's, he, he has it in him. So um, I'm excited for him. I know when I sat down with him last, he was just like, first, I want to sit down, have some time with my family, enjoy Christmas, enjoy my first Christmas with my baby. And then January 1st, it's foot on the gas. You know, I'm, I'm going to start getting ready for, for the next step in his career. Right. Well, he's got an opportunity again. And and uh, Scott was telling us that he felt like he was, you know, had a nice third down back type role in the NFL and could catch the ball out of the backfield. So there was a lot of things that he likes. He wants to see him in that week leading up as far as practice goes, just to see how he takes instruction. So if you had to tell someone, if someone called you, like, like the people from the Hula Bowl called and said, <laughs> Paloma, tell us about the Chuck Wagon. What is his best asset? What does he bring to an NFL team? What would you say? <laughs> He never stops. He never stops. I think that when, you know, there's it's two-minute warning and, you know, the, the, the game is tied, give the ball to Chuck. Give the ball to Chuck. He never stops. When there's 10 seconds left on the clock in the game, he never stops. This kid runs with all his heart, and when, like, when he's done with the game, he's still unsatisfied. Win or loss, that guy is still unsatisfied. He tells me after every game there's so much more he could have still done. You know, there's so much more he could have still ran. Like, he's, he's just – I always laughed during football season because he'd run for 275 yards, and he's like, oh, no, I mean, I, I can still go. Like, I still have so much out there. I'm, I'm, I'm upset because I, you know, still had so much more in the, ga- in the tank. So right. um, that's one thing about Chuck. He's relentless. He doesn't stop. He keeps fighting. Um, he's never satisfied once the game's over. I mean, he's always smiling and happy and, like, in a good mood. 
But th- this guy works hard, incredibly hard, and he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. That's something that they'll definitely like on the next level. That's for sure. They want to see someone with that incredible work ethic. That's exactly <laughs> what he has. And, Paloma, before we let you go, I know that you cover the, the Las Vegas Aces like a glove as well, and they just hired Becky Hammond. Of course, Mark Davis is the Raiders owner and the LV Aces owner. What did you think of that incredible hire of Becky Hammond? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome news. Um, when the news was breaking uh, during the Las Vegas Bowl, I was just pumped up. I was like, you know, what an awesome week, the Las Vegas Bowl. We have football in town. The Aces are making big headlines, and it's huge for Vegas, too. I think I tweeted, like, can Vegas get any better? Yes, it can, <laughs> actually. You know, she's she's such a big name, and especially for, you know, a female, a female sports reporter. You know, that's a woman I look up to. She's just breaking records, breaking history, um, becoming the first full-time assistant coach in the NBA with the Spurs. You know, anytime and anytime I could see her on TV as as a coach, she's totally a, a role model for for women in sports and and breaking barriers and everything. So for her to come to Vegas is awesome, and then it's awesome to hear that you know Bill Lambeer is sticking around, um, helping them with the 2022 roster, um, and 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 she and Becky seems she seems awesome. Like she seems like the goat. Mm-hmm. Just everything she said in her press conference about. Just her being herself, her motivating, you know, herself being herself. Um, that's huge. So I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I almost wish she was coming like sooner. Like I wish, <laughs> you know, we could meet her in person and get to see her sooner. But she's finishing the season out with with the Spurs, and you know, Popovich only had great things to say about her, saying that she's well qualified, overqualified for the position, and that. You know he's proud to see see her make this move. Yeah, I'm excited for her too. I'm, I'm excited for her. I'm excited for the Aces. I think it's going to be an incredible uh, move. I think it's a great hire by Mark Davis. I think that says a lot about what he's willing to do, the head coach that he wants. And uh, I just it was a great commitment in, in, on all ends. So I thought that that was a really good one. And Paloma, I know I said I was going to let you go, but I did want to ask you one more question. I always do this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to ask you one more question. This Sunday night is a huge game uh, at Allegiant Stadium. You know it very well. The Raiders, Chargers, you win, you get into the playoffs. Uh, this is probably the, well, this is the biggest game that's been played so far at Allegiant Stadium in the short history of the stadium. How electric do you expect Las Vegas? You've been here long enough to know the city. How, ex- how, how exciting do you expect the city to be Sunday night at Allegiant Stadium? Oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm really excited. Honestly, the lead-up is, is exciting, too. Mm-hmm. Like, every day, just hearing about it, and you're just like, all right, is this Sunday yet? Like, let's just get this week over with. Like, <laughs> especially with all the COVID-19 and, you know, everything we're hearing in the news. And, you know, we're, we're trying to be safe. We're trying to be healthy. I just want to get to Sunday and watch this game. And, 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 and I'm hoping, you know, the Raiders can stay healthy, get, get more guys back on the roster, and, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. This is the biggest sporting event for sure since the new year right, right. <laughs> um, that's, that's happening here in Vegas. So I'm excited. I'll be locked in on Sunday watching. So I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, no, we all are. We're all fired up. And I think all of us feel just like you do. Like, let's just get to Sunday and let's see this game, see how it shakes <laughs> out. And again, I believe Las Vegas, the city in general is going to be on fire. They win this game Sunday night. Boy, you better watch out yeah, all over the town. It's, it's going to be New Year's all over again. <laughs> Fireworks everywhere. No, I'll, be, I'll be staying inside away from that. <laughs> right. You and me both, Paloma. You and me both. Well, before I let you go, what 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 do you got coming out that everyone should be on the lookout for? I know you got UNLV and, and other things as well covered like a glove here in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean this week this week is definitely gonna be 
a little different with, with COVID and everything hitting the running rebels. We were supposed to travel to Air Force this weekend, so we kind of put all our travel plans on on hold for this weekend. But I'll still be hanging out with with Kevin Kruger, whether that's over Zoom or in person. Um, you know, definitely want to ask him about how flexible and you know how he has to be ready with his team to face whoever. Like, sure, they have New Mexico on Tuesday, but. Kevin and, and, and his coaches are always trying to get more games in for his guys, you know, whether that's UCLA is what he told me, you know, other teams they're trying to face. So um, it's interesting to see how he keeps his team ready and how he's trying to put games in wherever he can. Like, right. all right, UCLA is available. Okay, let's play UCLA on Saturday. So um, that's that's always fun to keep up with him and trying to, trying to see just to get his guys more game reps, more game time. Uh, for that new squad so definitely definitely hanging out with the running rebels and 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 tuning in on rev zone but yeah i mean my my eyes my heart my brain is going to be locked in on sunday with the raiders (laughs) and the chargers that's right i know that's right well paloma thank you so much for your time as always we definitely appreciate checking in with you continue to do a great job and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week all right, Q. Sounds good. Take care. All right. There she goes. Paloma Villacana. Fantastic job she does for Fox 5 Sports. Uh, obviously, the Reb Zone host and uh, does a great job with UNLV, the Aces, covering the Raiders. I mean, every sport, Paloma does a great job. And I think she hit it on the head when she was talking about Becky Hammond. Like, you know, as, a, as her being a, a, a female sports reporter, she's going to look up to Becky Hammond. And that's a good inspirational role model to have, just like when we had Carolina Teague on. I mean, that's someone, Becky Hammond is someone she looks up to. And that's good to be able to have people that you – look like or that sound like you that you could say hey that's who I can look to and realize if they can do it I could do it as well I think that that was a great point uh, that Paloma brought up so many thanks to her on Twitter at Paloma Villacana again Fox 5 Sports is where she holds it down 318 is the time we'll come back got a lot of text got a lot of calls that we want to get to and then we'll get to Joe Reedy from the AP talking all things charges this is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920 Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to Paloma Villacana. Join us in the last segment. Talk all things running Rebels and some LV Aces. Coming up at 3.30, Joe Reedy, Chargers beat writer for the AP. Breakdown. Week 18's LA Chargers. Because they are not the same as week 4's LA Chargers. No team is. You either evolve or maybe you take a step back. But you're never exactly the same as you were early in the season. So we'll get a breakdown from Joe Reedy coming up at 3.30. Got a couple texts I want to get to real quick. Matter of fact, got one from Sir Whiskey Ray talking about DeMond. I was hoping that San Jose State University versus UNLV would happen tonight. It's all good. They'll hook up again later here in 2022. Sir Whiskey Ray is a San Jose State guy. Yeah, I know. He, I remember talking about it during football season. <laughs> Why you say it's so salty? I mean, you know, it's I mean, it's okay. I'll, I'll say it because I was going to stop myself, but it's a little bit of the hater coming out when you see like the team that used to be the laughing stock of the conference even become better than your team. It's like, man, we down bad. Oh man, why are you going to do them like that, man? Yeah, laughing stock. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Got a quick text here. Actually, got two quick texts from uh, Rob in Oakland. Q, today NFL analytics has strong roots in a 1988 book, The Hidden Game of Football. That book challenged many established football values like establishing the run and introduced concepts like win probability. At this time, it's an advantage to go for it on fourth down, in part because it's usually fourth and short, in part because the defense isn't expecting it. I have no problem going for it on fourth down. I have no problem going for it. 
you know, if you if you want to roll the dice and go for it, that's cool. You know, and there's certain situations I look at and I think, yeah, you need to go for it. I thought going all the way back to the Giants game, I thought when the Raiders had an opportunity to, to get into the end zone and they, their offense hadn't been clicking all day long, they had an opportunity. I think it was fourth and three. They settled for a field goal attempt that Carlson missed. I thought before he kicked that, I remember telling my dad because my dad was at the house and I said, I would have gone for it right now. He said, no, nah, I'll take the easy points. Well, the points weren't easy. It even goes back to, like, you know all the stories that Madden were, like, everybody's mm-hmm. giving their Madden tributes? He even wanted it to be harder to go for it on fourth down because, like, oh, people just go for it on fourth down on the video game. He was like, well, program it to make it harder because right. it isn't as easy as just, well, just go for it on fourth down. Right. Maybe, like, if you're like, oh, fourth and two, fourth and one, why not? Because you're so close. But it isn't as easy if it's like, oh, that team's fourth and seven, that team's fourth and eight. Why aren't they just going for it? It's right. an extra play. I'll tell you, though. It if isn't it's, that easy. If, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. Right. But if it's fourth and two, fourth and three, and you're – Near midfield, I don't have a problem going for it. I really don't. I have no. I know Gruden did it early in the year. Remember, he was what was he in like the thirty yard line, a little bit uh, above the thirty yard line, and that was what the sec second game of the season. It also it was that the was that the Miami game. I think it might have been the Miami game. I'm I, not afraid of Jacoby Brissett. Well, that's true. I don't want to give Justin Herbert a short field. That's true. I mean, that's. I mean, there's a lot of different. You're right. There's a lot of different things that go into mind, but I don't. I don't honestly. I don't have a problem with going for fourth and two, fourth and three. Down in distance and where you are on the field obviously matters. Obviously matters, but I don't have I don't have no issue with that. Uh, and the follow up text from Rob in Oakland says, "I want the Raiders defenders and coaches to expect they'll only get the ball back by defending fourth down. That mentality will likely affect the way they defend first through third down as well. Run blitzes and create tackles for losses. Secure tackling behind the line of scrimmage will be helpful." I'm gonna stop right there. That's a great point. If you go in with that dog mentality that the only way that we're gonna get the ball back is if we stop them on fourth down then they might not give up seven yards on first down. You know what I mean? So I, I, I like that point that you bring up. Then he also said, we also have to limit what they gain on third down to avoid fourth and short situations. No more soft coverage giving up eight yards on third and ten. That's a good point. This isn't going to be easy, but let's go get that win. And then he says, Raiders. And he said it just like that. That's Rob in Oakland. Let's go out <laughs> to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Very patient. Fargo Raider, what's on your mind, my man? Hey, Fargo or Fargo, my bad. Dude, Damon, thank you for taking my call, man. Uh, you got me tipsy, man. I'm out here hiding from the missus because she wants me to do some shoveling. It's cold as hell outside, man. I heard that. I Tell her no. <laughs> but, I'm, you know, you guys are talking about the barbershop. Hell, I miss my barbershop ever since I moved out here. The one I go to now, they got big old signs that say no loud noise, no cursing. You know, they don't want nobody arguing about no sports. I was like, what happened to the barbershop feel? Right. It's cold. You know, in my old barbershop. In Santa Maria, California, everybody has to know how to barbecue a tri-tip. So I'll be sitting <laughs> there, you know, talking my, my tri-tip game, talking about my marinade, how to cut it, this and this and that, you know, BSing with the whole shop. And little did I know, you know, like I compared mine to this, like, really good food truck that does sandwiches. Little did I know the owner was in there. So after I got done saying my little spiel, he came up to me and he was like, all right, youngster, you know what you're talking about. But you ain't on my level yet, you know? Just like I can cut some hair, I can give you a fade, I can give you a taper, but you ain't going to catch me at the shop all day because I, I, as soon as you ask me for a come over, I'm lost, man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I, I could come on here and I could, you know, throw my little hat in the ring and say a couple things, share my thoughts, but I can't carry no show. We all got to find our lanes and stick with them. Got to gotta win and fit in where you get in. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. What X-Factor? What X-Factor are you looking for in the game? I'm looking for that run stop. 
I'm looking for now that we're going to have everybody back on the D-line, hopefully, you know, all things go well. I want them to stop that run. I want them to keep Herbert in check with the spy so that it can't get those extra yards when the play breaks down and plaster coverage. But if we can keep them from running that ball, then just like Robin Oakland said, we can limit those fourth downs. We could keep them from having fourth and shorts because that's where they're getting their bread and butter, man. They're getting us on play action. And they're getting us on runs and Herbert extending the play. Now, if they can push that interior and feel that edge, they're going to have a hard time playing us this time. That's my X factor, that D-line, that interior push. All right, good stuff. Thank you so much, Fargo Raider. Well, we're going to get a preview right now of the Chargers and find out exactly what they're going to be bringing to the table to Allegiant Stadium on Sunday night as Joe Reedy, Chargers beat writer for the AP, joins us now on the phone lines. And, Joe, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Always appreciate you. Well, how do the Chargers look? How are they looking? Let's start with the just as far as injuries go. I know that they had a couple guys. Their center was banged up a little bit. How are the injury front? Jared Cook came back from COVID-19 I saw earlier today. Uh, how are they looking as far as their health? Probably about the healthiest they've been, I think, in about a month, month and a half. Corey Lindsley, they, they did a walkthrough today. He was out there uh uh, probably limited. Drew Tranquil, I think, right now is the only one in doubt due to, due to his uh, nagging ankle injury. But as far as uh, almost all the starters and everything back, they're looking in pretty good shape. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You want to go into that final game of the season, the one that, that means everything as healthy as possible. So how pumped up is the fan base? How pumped are the, up are the folks in L.A. for this opportunity on Sunday night when and you're in the playoffs? I think they're pumped up, you know, considering the turnaround that's happened this year. Justin Herbert putting up Pro Bowl and uh, franchise record numbers. The running game looks like it's back on uh, back on firm footing. But, you know, this is a team that still since the beginning of October has won back-to-back games only, only once since then. So, mm. you know, after a four-and-one start, they're, they're still five-and-six. And it's a, you know it's going to be an interesting test against the Raiders. Can they have the consistent effort and dominating really effort in all three phases against the Broncos? Can that carry over to going on the road and what what will likely be a very hostile environment in Vegas on Sunday? Yeah, against the Broncos, they they didn't allow 21 points. That was the first time in 10 games that they hadn't allowed 21 points. Was that more of a product of the Broncos and Drew Locke, or was that the defense coming together and making some things happen? I think a combination of both. Uh, Broncos went for it early on a couple fourth downs and and didn't come up with anything, which definitely helps matters. But the uh, pass rush was effective in getting to Drew Locke and pressuring him at times. Running game, they really clamped down on that compared to the first meeting. And uh, special teams, you know, the first time that the, the Chargers faced the Raiders, the Chargers special teams was still struggling now that they got Dustin Hopkins and uh, Andre Roberts ran back the first uh, kick in about nine years for this franchise. That's firing on all cylinders too. And it, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the most eye popping game from Justin Herbert that we've seen compared to the beginning of the season. But there was very good balance in terms of the uh, run and pass game. So really, as far as all three phases. Probably one of the more consistent games they played since maybe that Monday night game against uh, against the Raiders. Talking right now with Joe Reedy from the AP, talking all things.
This is a preview for uh, the game coming up on Sunday night against the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. And you mentioned Andre Roberts and that kick return he had. That was a big one for the Chargers. How much of a kind of a shot in the arm, a little bit of a boost has he given this team since joining? Very much. I think when you look at especially the last two weeks, opening kickoff against Kansas City, he ran that back 75 yards and almost almost took it to the house. And the opening kickoff against Denver, he took it 45 yards and gave him very good field position at midfield. I think I tweeted something out after the uh, game against the Broncos. The Chargers' average starting field position when they ran kicks back was the 21-yard line before they signed Roberts. Since then, it's around the 28, and their kick return unit, which was last in the league, is now first in the league. So really showing that, that it really has invigorated a young unit that, you know, still has a lot of youth, but when you got a veteran returner, you can instruct his guys on where to block and where to find the right lanes. You know, it really can provide a lot of momentum for, uh, you know, the offense and the defense. How much different would you say the team is when they played the Raiders the first time back in week four uh, compared to what they are right now? Um, I think they're, I think the defense is playing a lot better. Uh, it has struggled against the run most of the year, but it has been more consistent in stopping the run maybe over the last month. I think there's more more familiarity and a comfort with that uh, three four scheme that they play now. Offense has gotten a little more balanced. Uh, Austin Reck, Austin Eckler had a career high in rushing yards against the Raiders. But Justin Jackson, who has really struggled staying healthy three and a half years, has really come on the last month, too. And they have desperately needed that second running back. And I think, you know, a lot of the younger receivers have started to spread things around. It's not a, it's not just keying in on Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen. Jalen Guyton has really come on. Joshua Palmer is uh, developed in his rookie season. So I think the fact that everybody everybody is more comfortable with both schemes and there's a lot more balance on both sides of the ball, I think really helps. And on special teams, too. I know I talked about Andre right. Roberts, but, uh, but um, Dustin Hopkins, 17 of 18 on field goals, only one missed extra point, and has really helped as far as kickoffs, too, to where – you know, they don't have to worry about the big returner stuff anymore because he's got the giant leg to kick it out of end zones if they need him to do that. Talking all things Chargers right now with Joe Reedy from the AP here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We talked about the center, Corey Lindsley, but what's the rest of the offensive line? What are they looking like right now as the Raiders have Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe who are doing a hell of a job this season, especially with pressures on opposing quarterbacks? Uh. You know, Rashawn Slater is still Rashawn Slater. He's had a great rookie season at left tackle. I think I saw Booger McFarland on Monday called him uh, the top tackle in the league this season. Now the the right side of the line has changed compared to the first meeting. Ode Ibushi was playing at uh, right guard the first time. He suffered a season-ending injury the next week against Cleveland. So they've they've had to uh, they've had to kind of uh, manufacture things there a little bit, but I think that they've got Michael Schofield, who's a veteran, who has added a lot to that unit. 
and at right tackle, I think Storm Norton and Trey Pickens are, are playing well, too. I think the thing that really impressed me about the Chargers last week is they didn't allow a sack while having three, basically three of their regular linemen out after the first quarter. Corey Lindsley was out. Storm Norton didn't play as he was still recovering due to, due to COVID. And, you know, the right, the right guard has been uh, kind of makeshift since the uh, Cleveland game. So this unit, I think the offensive line has really exceeded expectations, especially considering the attrition that they've had this year. Talking again with Joe Reedy here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got a question for you. Yeah, Joe, we saw in that first game that these two teams faced off that Justin Herbert, he didn't really try to take that many shots deep, that he was just consistent with Dinkin and Duncan and going over the middle of the field. Is there anything that maybe the Raiders can do to stop Justin Herbert or maybe make him get impatient with just allowing him that little bit of the field? I think if I think if you pressure him consistently, there there are chances for interceptions and turnovers. He does have three pick sixes this year, and all of them have come, I think, since the uh, Thanksgiving since the Thanksgiving uh, week game against Denver. So he is. So there is that chance to get the turnovers there. But I think this unit too, maybe compared to the first meeting, has tried to be a little more balanced. And with that depth in the running game, that helps out. That does help out a lot. But I think if you can consistently pressure him and get him in some long third and third and long opportunities, there's going to be there's going to be those chances. Now, by the same same method too, Mike Williams was mainly a short to intermediate guy the first five six weeks of the season. He has shown. To be more of the more of the deep threat the past couple of weeks, his teams have been kind of, you know, shying away or lulled into him, lulled into him doing the more short to intermediate routes, and it showed against Denver when uh, he got by the cornerback and had that diving forty-three yard touchdown pass uh, last week. All right, Joe. One more, another hard question here. <laughs> what have you thought about Brock Lesnar's babyface run? <laughs> Who knew after 20 years that Brock Lesnar would have Mike skills? Um, I think that I think that's been the most surprising thing of all that we that we that we've seen Brock uh, finally have a personality after 20 years, and it's not uh it's not Paul Heyman uh, driving a bus on that, but with him and Paul back together and uh, Brock showing that he has a personality and can kind of pull the. Uh, Got to pull the one-liners and uh, Mike skills. I think that was a that was the biggest shock of uh, 2021, in my opinion. He was, oh, Q's, Q's a little confused here. Brock Lesnar is now the <laughs> reign-defending WWE heavyweight champion. I am confused. I am. But, Joe, we're on the same level here, as you know, so had to ask a fellow, a fellow, you know, connoisseur there. Well, you should have told us we were going to wrestling. I didn't know you were talking about Everybody that. Everybody know who Brock Lesnar is. I did not. My bad. Well, he did have that four weeks in Vikings camp a long time ago. So, well, yeah, you know, football UFC does it all. There, there you go. That's true. That's true. He did. Uh, that's right. He was in the he was in the octagon for a quick minute as well. Well, Joe, before we let you go, as I get back to football real quick, last time I believe I asked you how the the Chargers planned on defending Darren Waller. This week, I want to know. How do you think they go about defending Hunter Renfro? Because he has become, and Darren Waller might be out there on Sunday, not sure, but he might be. But Hunter Renfro's become the guy. How do you think they go about trying to take him or slow him down and keep him, you know, from from not wrecking the game, but really affecting the game? Well, I think 
if the Raiders have an edge, it is their receivers against the Chargers secondary. Um, you know, the, 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 yes, the secondary does have Derwin James, who will probably get all pro again, but I think the cornerbacks are suspect. You know, Asante Samuel has struggled at times with pass interference, penalties. Michael Davis, they gave the huge contract extension to. He's been very inconsistent so far. And Chris Harris at times hasn't looked good. So I think there are chances for Hunter Renfro to kind of get behind that secondary and get some big catches. Now, do they put Derwin James on him? Do they try to jam him more at the line? You know, that's a that's a possibility. But Renfro could Renfro could have a big game on Sunday. Well, definitely be something to pay attention to and look out for and see how it all shakes out. Again, it's it's for all the marbles. We do believe. You know what? Let me ask you this before I let you go, only because this has become a silly conversation. There is not any way in hell that Brandon Staley is thinking anything about any kind of tie on Sunday night if, for some dumb reason, the Jaguars beat the Colts and the Raiders and Chargers are already basically in the playoffs before the game kicks off. There ain't no tie he's thinking about, right? I think the only way either coach thinks about the tie, and I'm being utterly truthful here, is if we get to the two-minute warning in overtime and a team's at, the, and a team's at their own 30, and it's like, you know what? <laughs> maybe, maybe at the two-minute warning and it's third down at their own 30, <laughs> maybe they start thinking about it then. But I, did, but I think that's the only way. This is an all-the-marbles game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, get, I give credit for the Raiders for being on the respirator in the fourth quarter of Cleveland to uh, all of a sudden be in the thick of this thing with some very big wins the last, the last three weeks. is uh, tremendous credit to them because, let's face it, the last couple of years, Raiders have had a great first half and the bottom has fallen out after week 10, and it looked like that was going to be the case again this year. But credit to them in December for going on this run. Yeah, again, we've been saying the same thing, and I, w- I was with you. I thought that they were about to have a second-half collapse, and, and here, here we are. We're talking about a we're talking about a Week 18 winner-take-all game uh, against the uh, division rival Chargers. It should be a lot of fun. Joe, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you as always. Are you making your trip out to Vegas this week, or are you staying back in L.A.? I have uh, Rams and uh, 49ers on uh, Sunday. But gotcha. You, you know, if I if I could be in my could be in my spiritual homeland there, I would. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, get out there sometime in uh, March and April to uh, lose some money at the casinos. I heard that. Well, stay safe out there, Joe. We appreciate you. We look forward to talking to you down the line. No problem. Always a good time. All right, thank you. There he goes. Joe Reedy from the AP does a fantastic job at Joe Reedy covering the Chargers, covering the Rams. And, you know, I, I saw this uh, this note that the California indoor mask mandate has was set to expire on January 15th, has now been extended to February 15th. And if you're looking ahead, you're looking at dates, the Super Bowl is on February 13th, and it is at SoFi Stadium in L.A. So uh, basically what it's saying is that everyone inside the stadium will definitely be masked up, and you know how that goes. And I know that I don't want to get into a mass conversation, this, that, and the other. I get it. But uh, just know that this thing is continuing and, and affecting multiple things, including the upcoming Super Bowl, to the point where Jerry's World, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, has been contacted about a potential alternate place to hold the Super Bowl. Now, don't get alarmed. 
They're not moving it. They do this every year. They see it about alternate spots, but just because of the climate, what's going on is why this conversation has come to come to fruition right now and why it's being talked about right now. But the, the mask mandate, indoor mask mandate, has been moved from January 15th to February 15th. So I know we have a lot of uh, folks that are listening in NorCal, Southern Cal, all over California. Uh, just know that that, uh, that mask mandate has been moved to February 15th. 344 is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Well, this show goes fast and furious each and every day. Got about 10 minutes left, then we'll pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle. Along with Lincoln Kennedy. Made his return to the airways yesterday. Fantastic. Always great to hear from Lincoln. But got a couple minutes left in this show. Got a text on the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword r the game depends on the Raiders' offensive line and their defensive line. If they create, if they create the holes for Josh Jacobs and give Carr time, they win the game easily. I was with you 100% till that last word, easily. I don't think there's going to be anything easy about this game. This is going to be a drag-out, knockout, scratch, claw, bleed, fight. It's going to be one of those. I don't know if anybody watched that piss-poor performance from LSU last night. In the Texas Bowl, LSU and K-State. I don't know if anyone saw that. It wasn't their fault. Whose fault was it? LSU should have been ashamed of themselves. That's Players, a- this is not on you. This it, It's it is- on the coaches. No, 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 no. They had no. a receiver playing quarterback. I don't, you- I don't give a damn. There was Okay, so what's the excuse for the guys that refused to tackle anybody? Hey, man, we just trying to go home. Like we said, exactly, man. The, the exactly. Hoo-ba-hoo. Exactly what you just said. We're just trying to go home. They embarrassed themselves. You got Brian Kelly up there the, in the booth talking right. about accents. Be down there on the field coaching his team. He probably should have been. The point I'm trying to make is almost after every play, there was some kind of dust up, some kind of fight, some kind of altercation, a bunch of penalty flags, unsportsmanlike penalty. You Don't be surprised if you see a bunch of unsportsmanlike penalties on Sunday because this game is going to – it means so much. It's everything. It's everything. So that's why I say it's not going to be easy. If you do play, if you do make a good catch, a big catch, you get that first down. Just keep that. Just keep that excitement man, to yourself, man. Man, they're they're because I don't I don't want somebody to some do the dumb first taunt, down. Some dumb taunting penalty, back. right? Yeah. You see, Matt Ryan, he had a touchdown. Throw the ball down. Get all excited. Oh, unsportsmanlike conduct. So he just thinking, oh, well, they just gonna put it on the on the kickoff, right? Right, right. No, nah, no, nah, we taking the touchdown away. <laughs> well, that that sums up the the, the Falcon <laughs> season anyway, right? That's what that is. But yeah, I just think that this fight, this this is going to be a fight this Sunday night. And I, I don't mean that as guys are going to go out there punching each other, but there's going to be a lot of emotions in this game, man. As it should. As it should. This is for all the marbles. This is for everything. You go out there and win, and you keep it moving. It's like back in the day when we used to be on the hoop court, right? You win and you stay on. You lose, you go home. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. I got next. Exactly. Who's got next? The Raiders? Or is it going to be the Chargers? And when I say who's got next, I'm talking about who's got next week. Who's got a game plan next week? Who's going to be planning for a game next week? Is it going to be the Chargers or the Raiders? 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the 559 Fresno, California. Talk to our good friend, Tim. Tim, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hello. (laughs) What's up, Tim? (laughs) Yeah, I got a prediction and I've got a comment. Okay. Um, you know, as much as uh, Basaccia has done for this team uh, and the coaching staff there, Mayock, the whole group, um, it's almost uh, it would almost be a shame not to let them 
give that another shot, no matter what happens at the end of this year. And I have a prediction for Sunday. If the Raiders have the ball last, they will win the game. Okay. I liked it. Go uh, ahead. I just think the coaching staff and the management uh, have just uh, brought this thing together. These guys just want to ball out for each other, and it's it's time to let them uh, have a little little chance to make this work with a few more draft picks. I think this team's going to be solid. Okay. So uh, that's my thought, and uh, I've been a been Derek Carr fan for a long time. I've grown up here or been in this area for almost 30 years. Nice. So I know the, the Carr boys and uh, went to Fresno State myself, so – um, it's all good here. So I just hope they can uh, pull this thing off and you know, rooting all the way. Okay, hold on, Tim. Before you go, I want to ask you a question. You've been in Fresno for 30 years, you said? Yeah, about 30 years. Uh, ask, or let me know, is one of my favorite places to eat still there. Is Chris's Meat Market still available? And that's actually in Fresno? Yeah, that's on the west side. Uh, you know, I will find out and I can give you a call back some other day. <laughs> All right, let them. Hey, man, Chris's Meat Market after the club was my spot, but thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's on the west side. It's on the west side. I'm just saying, man, Chris's Meat Market, 2 in the morning, you roll up in that spot, man, you get about eight a side of tacos ready to go. I'm telling you, Jack, that was my spot. That's how you knew I was I was 559 rooted. They knew I knew, man, I knew the no-town. Okay. He talking about Fresno State. He over there. He over there on the, on the good side of town. <laughs> is that what that is? That is. That is. You know what? One time I flew with you and he's the over there by team. Shaw. He's over there by Shaw. I was on the west side. I've only been to Fresno one time, and it was like I was with the team, and it was just like it was a cool little experience. But yeah, it wasn't that much to see in Fresno. That's all I'll say. Well, I mean, that was just a one time thing. Fresno was a nice little city, man. I, actually, it's not little. It's a nice little city, though. Couldn't tell. Ah, that's well. I don't know how you talking about can tell anything, man. I mean, you were playing the mascot when hey, you went hey, with the team. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey. You were, you were. I was handling you were, business. You were, yeah, I know. I, I know business. you had to handle business. You were in the Bulldog uh, uniform. That doesn't even oh, make sense. Why, why would I be no, a Fresno State? Rebel, yeah. my bad. Well, you probably could have been that Rebel, too. I don't know. You could have been. What was the Rebel's name? What was his name? It's not, it's not the same anymore. Yeah, we got to change the mascot. Yeah, I, I know. I what was his name? What was his name? I don't. I you don't went remember. to school. How do you not I know the name? Remember. I don't support a racist mascot, so I don't know the name. I didn't mean to go all there. All right. Well, that was a way to put a damper on the show. Vinny, I hope that was an intro for you. Vinny and Lincoln are coming up next. Jeez. I just walk in and I yeah, exactly. Vinny walks in and hears racist. God. 355 is the time. I'm gone, man. It's Radio Nation Radio, not 20. I'm sorry.